Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. <sighs> so how's everybody doing? Tired. Yeah? Well, maybe it'll be a quick show. I'm <laughs> doing pretty good. March, March is, uh, so every three months I have to present to the board. And because of the way my bank is structured, there are three boards, which means I have to do three board presentments. So this month I have three BSA committees, three compliance committees, and three board presentations in addition to all my normal stuff. That sounds like a shitty job. It's not bad. It's just time consuming. And I I mean, I assume that other people are like me and the fact that they hate doing the same thing more than once. And basically, it's me doing the same thing over and over and over again. Oh. Yeah. You mean like showing up for this show every week? At least, at least like we mix the movies up. <laughs> I guess that's true. Plus, there's always some kind of crazy goings on. Sometimes Doug's house burns down. <laughs> Sometimes Noah loses the internet, which is pretty much on par. Yeah. Sometimes I get the plague. Yeah. Yeah, haven't you had COVID twice during twice. this show? <laughs> I've only had it once, so. I'm still COVID free. We'll see about that, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> My luck's, Wait, been, uh, on luck's been terrible lately, so we'll see. You guys want to know the weirdest thing that happened to me this week? So. So, finally got a new barbecue after... You know, since Noah brought the house burning down, I haven't had one since then. Is it ironic <laughs> that your barbecue burned up? No. But what happened is, <laughs> so I get it home, I open it up, pull out the instruction manual, and it says you'll need the following tools. And of course, like every tool they list is one I don't own, right? So I'm like, well, I know better. I'm not going to like get halfway through this and be stuck because I can't do it. So I run to the hardware store. It's been like, it was like $58 worth of tools I had to buy. Put together the stupid barbecue. Yeah, I get home. I put the whole thing together. And I'm like, it never told me to use those tools that it said. Like nothing, nothing that I was doing. What what tools did it say you needed? It was like specific, like very specific sized wrenches. And one of those like, I don't know, socket wrench thingamajiggies that looks like a screwdriver. I don't know what they're called. And I'm like, I don't understand why it's telling me to go buy these things if I don't need them. Luckily, I hadn't opened them. I was able to return them. And the store is like, didn't you just buy these like a couple hours ago? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I could imagine needing like a basic socket set. But that's about it. It's weird. And a screwdriver. 
If you would have yeah. used them, would you have returned them? No, they were cleverly um, packaged so that you oh. couldn't use them without taking them out of the package. <laughs> so you didn't want to just keep them just in case you would need them at some point? No. Okay. I want my $57 back instead. Sure. When we were moving, I realized I have a lot of tools. I'm not a very handy guy. Why do I got all these it's, goddamn tools? <laughs> they really do build up on you. I, I was like, I mean, I feel pretty good about it, but fuck me. I've got, <laughs> I, I have a whole electrician's kit. I've got like five different tool bags with different sets of tools for doing different <laughs> stuff. I'm like, damn. I have tools you can use to change your kitchen faucet. Oh, <clears throat> do, do you have the special tool, the one for tightening the plastic nut? Uh, yes. Um, didn't get to really use any of them because I couldn't get my fucking faucet off. My brother-in-law had to uh, use a, a saw, just saw it off. Yeah, that happens. Jesus Christ. Is that, that plastic nut tool? I uh, I have never purchased one, and I've had to change sink faucets about eight times. And every time, it's a battle, and I'm screaming and cussing and angry. And I'm like, I should go buy that fucking tool, but I'm invested now. So then I finish it, and then I go to do it the next time. And for some reason, my brain goes, you won't need that. There's no way that net will be stuck this time. <laughs> It's only twenty bucks, Noah. You should just buy one. I, I know it's a cheap, it's a cheap fucking tool. <laughs> Stop screwing up your faucet. Why do you have to change your faucet so often? Well, it's just a common thing. Like a lot of times, if you move a new place, buy a new house, the faucets are old. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. Pro tip: If your house burns down, you get all new faucets. <laughs> oh, to so. self. Saves you that twenty bucks. You started leaving some candles lit while I go to sleep. <sighs> Speaking of stuff being on fire, should we talk about uh, some movies? One of which is called Man on Fire. There, there you go. You got there. <laughs> you the almost timing was real bad, but you got there. Yeah. So close. When you started that one, I'm like, oh my God, he did it. And then no. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as I said what movies, and I'm like, oh, fire's only in, in the title of one movie. Uh so how do we how do I get fired both of these movies? Uh you don't. <laughs> you do a quick reverse and so then you hit drive real quick. <laughs> <laughs> It worked itself out. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, but whatever. Uh, since Noah loves Denzel Washington so much, uh, Doug decided we're going to watch some movies that don't have Denzel Washington in them. Specifically, movies that he would later remake. Uh, Man Liquor. on Fire and Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, it's our own little version of cancel culture that we are doing for ourselves. We've just decided to cancel Denzel Washington. I watched Glory and remember the Titans just to spite you. <laughs> if you sat through that, I don't know if you spited us. Uh, I don't know. Here's the thing. Denzel Washington, he's all right. I just, I don't get the hype. I, think I have no strong opinion of, on him. I think he kind of plays the same character in everything he's in. Yeah, I don't 
I don't, I don't really have, like, I don't understand when people say, oh, he's a great actor. I'm like, I don't see it, but I've never had a problem with him in any role I've seen him in. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think he's like black, uh, Bruce Willis, like Bruce Willis ain't an amazing actor, but I'm going to watch a goddamn Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. Like Bruce Willis pre giving up on everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Noah, do you want to tell us about the Manchurian candidate? Sure. Uh, so, uh, a group of guys in Korea, um, are attacked and a guy saves their whole unit and they come back as heroes. Only that's not what happened. They were brainwashed by evil people. And now uh, Shaw is being forced to do bad things while the major from his unit is trying to save him and or stop him and or unravel the mystery. Uh, and then it turns out his mom is somehow involved. <laughs> just, which is just the weirdest plot point of the whole thing. Angela Lansbury? Yeah. All right. Well, it's confession time. I started this movie last night did not get to finish it. Jesus fucking Christ, this movie is long as shit. Two hours and three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it is long. For like a 1962 movie? That's like an an infinity. I had to watch it with ads because I borrowed it from the library and then the sound was terrible. So then I had to like go find it on a free streaming service, but then have ads. So mine was even longer. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it on a service with a lot of ads and that movie took half my life to watch <laughs> i feel I was, like i aged i hate watching this movie i was the smart one that would try to watch it on uh, amazon prime and didn't get to finish it it's been a shitty week and it's only tuesday but can we can we talk about the fucking messaging in this movie because this movie is just fucking nuts as far as messaging goes somehow yeah. This movie presents itself as as being like a rebuttal to McCarthyism while also being a love letter to McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. How is that a thing? How how is it that the enemy in this movie is a fake communist conspiracy that is being perpetrated by a real communist conspiracy? <laughs> It's kind of it's really interesting world building what they did the way they um, they created this like fantasy land where Republicans uh, make up conspiracy theories, accuse people of stuff, claim facts that aren't true, call everyone they don't like a communist. And then it turns out they're secretly the ones working with the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans behind the scenes. Weird. It's a good thing it's something so like that weird. would never happen in real life. Good thing that's not happening every day, all day. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is strange, though. It's I, th- I think it's just an anti-Republican movie. Like this is, I guess this is. Oh, like, it's an it's an anti-everything movie. This this movie is problematic in so many ways. It's like all the worst tropes of red scare stuff combined with all the worst tropes of yellow peril stuff. I don't know about that. 
You don't think so? <laughs> the two, I'm, the presentment of the literal two Asian characters in this movie, you don't find them Fu Man Chewy in the worst ways? <laughs> oh, I, I actually really like the one guy, the, uh, I don't know their names, but the, the sort of the heavy set guy with the mustache that was, he just kept fucking with his Russian counterpart. They just, he was working with, just kept telling him to be happier. I didn't have, I didn't think it was a racist portrayal and I didn't have a problem. I thought it was weird. They had a British accent, but that's just filmmaking. So did Shaw. He had, he had a British accent too. I'm not sure why, like the Americans and the North Koreans all have British accents, but all, all I could hear every time he would talk, is fucking John Hamm doing his impression of that guy. <laughs> where it's just, where he's always drunk. What impression? Oh my God. From Saturday Night Live, they did a, uh, it was like Halloween with Vincent Price. Oh, James Mason. Yeah, and, and fucking James Mason and John Hamm's doing the impression of him, and it's so fucking <clears throat> spot on and funny. Yeah. It, just, it apparently was like a last minute change. They changed it between dress and showtime. They're just like, oh, they're doing James Mason because I think he was supposed to be a Kennedy instead. Oh, that's funny. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be James Mason now. Do you want to rehearse? And he's like, nope, got it. And then just did it live on the air and was like, perfect. See, what I'm gathering from this is that you guys know who James Mason is. I don't. So is he one of the actors? No. Uh, Which one? Do you remember the, uh, the original Shaw? Oh, is he, he in this movie? Did I miss it? Is isn't he? Isn't he Shaw? Am I wrong? I don't know. This movie? I, I'll let you guys in on like a secret of how little I know about '60s culture. About halfway through this movie, I realized I don't know who Frank Sinatra is. Uh, if anything, James Mason is. Uh, did you watch the original Salem's Lot ever? Nope. God damn it. Never mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're way off on a tangent. We're supposed to be talking about the Mediterranean Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to it. Oh, no, I guess it's Lawrence Harvey. Man, they sound exactly the same. <laughs> John Hamm's impression of James Mason just is off a bit. But anyways, let's not go there again. All right. Yeah. Anyways, I think I think the thriller bits are pretty good. I mean, it's certain points of this movie feel pretty Hitchcock-y in the era. But I mean, it's it's good. And I think, I don't recall seeing very many Sinatra movies. And Sinatra actually puts in a pretty good performance, I think. Who was he playing? Marco. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. You, I, you really don't know who Sinatra what, is? With, uh, and then at one point I'm like, I should look it up. And then I'm like, why should I, if I'm, I'm enjoying all the performances, why do I need to know which one of these guys is also a, a drunk singer? So. All right. And seeing Angela okay. Lansbury is a bad guy's fucking crap. That I, you know, the she first was, 40 minutes I did get to watch and I'm just like, this is kind of amazing. I'm so not used to seeing her being a complete bitch. Yeah, because she shows up on screen, and right away I'm like, she had the murder she wrote haircut way back in 1962. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> and then I'm like, wow, talk about a different character, though. Like, where's our sweet old lady that we all loved in the 80s? Like, why is she? <laughs> why is she so mean to like her husband and her son and like everybody? And just <laughs> yeah, like just literally anybody who's like um, 
excuse me, I just I think you should look slightly to the left instead of slightly to the right. Why? Because you're a communist and you're like, I, why are you calling everybody a communist? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something a commie would ask. I was going to say, in Brian, for as bad as she is, she gets even worse than the second half. Oh, oh yeah, much worse. Yeah. yeah, I do need to finish this at some point. I'm just, curious like, about it. It's honestly like, I guess, spoiler from my opinion, but I, I've really enjoyed this movie. I was really into it. I thought the filmmaking was excellent. I thought the tension worked. I love that they like told us because I knew the basic of the movie was that these people had been brainwashed or that one of the guys had been brainwashed. But I, I didn't expect them to tell us at the beginning of the movie that I thought that was going to be the mystery. And instead, they did it where they told us all about the brainwashing and showed it to us and then still managed to create kind of a mystery of who was the American that was going to be controlling him and why were they doing it and all that kind of stuff, which I thought worked really, really well. I was like, I I was thoroughly engaged in the movie the whole time trying to figure out how this was going to play out, which surprised me quite a bit for a 1962 film. Has anybody seen the remake? No. Yeah, I actually rewatched it specifically because we were watching this. Oh, okay. How is it in comparison? Uh, it's it's interesting. So the changes they made are just the most appropriate changes you can possibly make to a movie. Mm-hmm. So they update it to um, the war is the Gulf War instead of Korea. And because it doesn't involve the region of Manchuria, which is where the movie gets its fucking name. <laughs> it, instead, they added an evil corporation that's called Manchurian International. Mm. That's kind of the force behind the brainwashing stuff. And it it keeps the same political tones, but instead of it being anti-communism uh and and anti-asian instead it's uh an indictment of like crony capitalism and the the back deal you know the backroom deal shit between corporations and politicians hmm. that sounds interesting so it sounds like it's at least different enough that you could probably watch both and not feel like you're watching the same movie yeah, it's good. And it doesn't it, it so it has the same major plot points, but they majorly change the role of a couple of the characters in the plot. So the plot's different enough that it has kind of different stuff that happens. Nice. And Leif Schreiber plays Shaw. Yeah. Which sounds like pretty good casting who played him in the first one and yeah sort of leave Schreiber's uh, personality I, f- I forgot how like clean cut and <laughs> like basic politician Lieb Schreiber was whenever he was younger because now he just comes off as scary all the time Like, I think if I bumped into Lieb Schreiber in an alley, I would just shit my pants and run away. Be like, no! <laughs> Don't kill me, giant man. <laughs> Been watching too much Ray Donovan. Right. 
Uh, so it sounds like both of you were fans of it. The original yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, my biggest, I think my biggest complaint of the whole movie is Rosie. What in the fuck is going on with that character? Is, is she a psychopath? I don't understand that whole thing. What it, it feels like almost maybe it's meant to be a red herring. She, is that why she they bring that saw, character in? Yeah. She sees a guy sitting near her on a train he has a mental breakdown, runs away. She decides to have a conversation with him and apparently goes home, breaks off her engagement because she's in like, I'm in love with this random man who I may never see again. Yeah, I, I think it was meant to be a red herring where we would think that she was part of the conspiracy. But then I don't remember it coming out that she was. Yeah, her her character's interesting in the remake, too, because... It's kind of the the exact same stuff happens, but the reveals all different. So, yeah, it it felt a little bit kind of unnecessary with her. Um, I did like the relationship between Shaw and his eventual wife. Thought that played out really well. I liked the the sort of the flashbacks where they met, and he's like caught off guard by the fact that he's actually capable of liking someone, and then his mom screws it all up, and she just. She just tries to like randomly get them back together when she thinks it would be politically convenient to have a wedding. Like, I will say this. It's it's hard to be on Shaw's side during that conversation, though, because I think he uses the word lovable 500 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but I think, I mean, they're trying to portray him as socially awkward and right. not particularly likable. And I think that that's how he comes across. Even his relationship with the uh, the translator guy that he ends up hiring to be like sort of his servant, his relationship with that guy, like the whole time, I'm like, stop being mean to that guy. He just he came to you looking for a job because he knew you in the war. Either give him a job or tell him no. You don't have to be a jerk about it. I do. I do love how he treats him like shit. But at the same time, the other guy calls him Chinese at one point. He's like, he's Korean. <laughs> Because he's not trying to be mean. I think that's the thing to understand about the Shaw character is he's not trying to be unlikable. He's just naturally unlikable, which is a very interesting character to make the main character of your movie. Um, We're just going to take this guy that no one likes, but everybody's been brainwashed to to talk positively about him. (laughs) And then we're going to make him an asshole throughout the movie, even though he's the main character. It's very strange. I love the fact that that ends up being the big flaw in in their conspiracy is the fact yeah. that all of his platoon mates eventually their minds start rejecting the fact that they're trying to talk about him like he's a great guy when they all know yeah. he's an asshole. The scene where the the major guy is like, yeah, like, did you hear me in that meeting when I said like he's the greatest person of all time? And like, I still think that, but objectively, I know that's not true. I know no one likes him. Like it's. It's very strange, and it's it is kind of fun that that is what what breaks down this whole plan. That otherwise seems like it may have worked, <laughs> you know. Brian, do you have any more thoughts about the first half of the movie? <laughs> uh, what did you think about the brainwashing sequence when they were doing that? The cut back and forth where the guys think that they're in like a florist shop or something, but they're really on stage in front of a, a crew of people. 
Yeah, was that, that the scene where they keep like choking people or some shit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought all that stuff was good. I thought it was uh especially for a 1962 movie. Like I found it interesting that they're like on this what they think is a mission and they all get like knocked out and shit. Yeah. I I love their weird casual cruelty in there where they're he's like, We told them we can smoke. Are you enjoying your cigarettes? And they're like, Yes, thank you. And he's like, ha ha, ha they are smoking yak dung. <laughs> it's like what what fucking what does that prove <laughs> well the idea is that they're so brainwashed that they'll believe whatever you tell them so if you tell them it's a cigarette they'll smoke anything i understand the point of it it ranks right up there with like when they ask him like who do you they go who, who do you like and he's like no one and they're like who do you dislike the least he's like right that guy and then that's the one they make him kill <laughs> it's all just it's 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 meant to prove the point that they're completely brainwashed yeah i uh yeah i liked sort of like you know how they set it all up and then all the guys get sent home and that dude shows up and his angela lansbury comes out and it's like oh she's she's a giant bitch it's like this is great and then find out like she set up like this whole press thing was it his brother was he running for office is that what was step his stepfather stepfather okay okay okay. Um, and in in the remake instead it's him because they jump further forward so they come back from the gulf war and they're back for 10 years or something and shaw is now a senator and the mom is trying to get him to be vice president okay yeah. I liked the plot. I guess this is a spoiler for you, Brian, but I liked that That's the fine. whole idea was that the senator guy who everybody or, or congressman, whichever he was, everybody knows he's an idiot, so they'll never let him be president. But because his wife is so good at politics, she thinks she can manipulate him into the vice presidency, like or at least become the vice presidential candidate. And then the whole plan is just to have her son shoot the president <laughs> so that her husband becomes president because he's just the next in line and i love that little plan that's really fun and yeah, it's good it's I don't know, like I, I almost feel bad spoiling this for you brian but like the ending is really good yeah um, yeah, yeah no go go for it so like all of the intelligence guys are now working together and they figure out what's going on and they figure out the trigger which is this like when he plays solitaire when he gets to a certain card it triggers him to like the do what he's told. diamonds yeah um, and so they figured that all out. So they basically, they have him sit down and play. And when he, when he frees up, they just, they're able to completely reverse all of the stuff, all of the, uh, programming because now that they've got control of him, right? So when he goes in and, uh, he's pretending that he's going along with his mom's plot, but instead of shooting the president that like he's supposed to he takes her out, takes, takes the stepdad out. It was like, he's like, look, we all know I'm the only one that could have stopped him. Boom, takes himself out. Story's over. And I'm like, fuck, Jesus. that is a hell of an ending. Like, I it love is a hell that. of an ending. I'm just like, what a great idea to have like all of the like way to tie it up kind of thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's super dark and like it's weird watching these like these movies from this era because it's like 
post fifties, pre seventies, everything is a little strange and you're like, it's still black and white and they still kind of talk like in a fifties movies, but not quite. And then to have an ending like that, that would just never would have happened 10 years earlier. Yeah. Like that's phenomenal. The, the ending of the remake is different, but they, they like do a different twist on it. So it's kind of, I don't know, like I said, it's, it's interesting because well, it still has its own thing, but it hits all the same notes. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, don't, don't spoil it so that, yeah, I'm not going to is like one of these days I might watch that. Um, or I'll put it on the list. So we have no choice. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, I, I like I, I can't believe how impressed I am with this movie. Honestly, it was the filmmaking was really good. The storytelling was really good. The acting was of its era, but it was better than I anticipated. Um, like it was more acting than like less stagey and more like film acting than I expected. I don't know if I have any real complaints except for maybe the, the rosy character being not terribly relevant. She wasn't bad either. She didn't ruin the film or anything. Nice. All right. Well, anything else before we move on? No. Like I said, it's a good, it's a good movie. Yeah. Great. Uh, Doug, do you want to tell us about Man on Fire? On Fire is a slightly simpler plot. Um, basically, uh, Scott Glenn plays a CIA guy and he's retiring. So naturally how you do that is you fake your own death, which I don't think plays into the movie ever again. So I'm not sure why they went through that whole thing in the beginning, but, um, and there's like a, well, it seems like it's, there's like, it's, it's that? how the movie ends. Yeah. I was going to say oh. it does play into the end, but I mean, yeah. it's not super important or anything. It's just, it, Oh, anyways, but it wasn't like him. It wasn't like, oh, now people don't know who he is. And that's what I was expecting more at the beginning was that people wouldn't know who he was and it would somehow be revealed his identity and stuff. Not really. Gotcha. Uh, But anyways, yeah. So he ends up getting a job as like a bodyguard working in Italy for a rich American family, basically following around their 12 year old. And at first he's like, this is dumb. I don't want to take care of a kid. But then they become really, really good friends. Of course. And she gets kidnapped and he gets shot the fuck up while trying to prevent her from getting kidnapped. And he's like, he ends up getting out of the hospital and basically uh, taking out all these bad guys that kidnapped her and uh, saving, saving the day as you do. Yeah, they done. They done fucked up. Yeah, they should not have. I sure mean, did. If they'd known he was a CIA agent, not just like hired help, maybe they wouldn't have tried to kidnap the girl right from. Well, over. they didn't. The girl, they but. didn't know that Mr. Glenn's superpowers is that his beta- his body metabolizes bullets into badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't know he had a special set of skills. I was going to say it is it is funny how many movies are the plot of this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, this is Commando if Commando was a thriller instead of a big dumb action movie. Oh, that's a good comparison. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't even know Man on Fire was a remake until we went to do this. No, I stumbled across this on like back in the day, like on Tubi, and I'm like, I should watch that. I think it, and I, I wasn't even 100% sure it was a pre-make of the Denzel Washington version, but it turns out it is. So. As I was starting to watch it, I'm like, what if this is just a different movie with the same name? <laughs> but turns out I was right when I assumed it was a re- uh, an earlier yeah. version. Yeah, I haven't seen the Denzel Washington version either. But I saw curious. it a few years ago and I liked it. I'm curious to check it out now. It's a uh, is it's Tony Scott, I believe, that directed. Yeah, it. yeah, and it's it's like reset where it's in like South America or something. But other than that, I remember plot wise being pretty similar. A little, I'm a little disappointed by the lack of ass play in this one. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to talk about ass play because when there's not ass play in the movie, you don't have to bring up ass play. <laughs> I wonder. Anyways. I wonder if that scene is the correlation of this scene that's in the porn theater. I guess so they so. were like, instead of going to a porn theater, he's just going <laughs> to shove a butt plug filled with plastic explosives up a dude's ass. Let's see. All right. Can we move on from that? Uh, sure. Uh, well, what, did, what did you guys think of the movie, Brian? You just finished watching it. Like, I just finished right? watching it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, definitely feels like a 1987 movie that maybe wanders a little bit. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, if anything, it did make me really want to watch the the remake, even though the remake's like half an hour longer. <laughs> uh, and apparently they're turning Man on Fire into like a series. I'm like, it seems weird. Amazon weird. Prime or something. But just, I don't know. Just every week, a different kid gets kidnapped, and he has to seek revenge. Well, I think the kid being kidnapped is spread across the entire season. Probably. Yes, I'm assuming that that's. See, I would, I would prefer it be because this movie very much is two films. The first film is like a French people smoking cigarettes in black and white movie. <laughs> about a man and his friendship with a child, saving him from his post-traumatic stress of working in the CIA. And then the other film is Scott Glenn fucking killing dudes. <laughs> and I, and I would love the series to be a nine episode series in the first eight episodes are all this pontificating cigarette smoking conversation bullshit. And then the last episode is just the fucking main character killing everybody. <laughs> it's out of nowhere. Yeah. It is. Our, it is a like, hard turn in this movie. <laughs> like the, the turn from, from a drama about a friendship between like, like there are movies that are just that where it's like babysitter doesn't want to deal with kids and then they become friends with the kids and they decide to stay on and be the babysitter even when they have the opportunity to, you know, that's we've, a that's a subgenre of films. We've covered Mr. Nanny on the show. Yeah. And, you know, here, here they go. Yeah, that's our basis for it. But then also he's going to drive a fucking garbage truck into a trolley. <laughs> It crushed the people on the other side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But I, I actually, that first half of the film, I don't know what I was, I, I guess because this was an 80s movie and I knew kind of what the plot was from seeing the remake. I guess I anticipated it being a little bit more campy and a little bit more 
80s-ish. And I thought the first half like was really good with the stuff like with him and the kid getting to know each other. Well, it's, and like I, I was gonna say, it's a really good art house and then really good grind house. Yeah, and and I like I was kind of blown away and like when they start quoting of mice and men and reading that the paragraph about how like you know nobody cares about us but we have each other and you start to understand that the coming together of these two people who feel abandoned in the world and i'm like holy shit i'm like really getting into this in a way that i did not expect and nobody's been shot yet and we're like 40 minutes into the movie i had a i had a, I had a weird vibe from the relationship i didn't enjoy it see I'm gonna. I was going to say the exact opposite of what you're implying. Sure. I was gonna like say, thank God, like Natalie Portman wasn't age appropriate for this role, so it didn't get weird. And I, I'm curious, what if anything you can point to that gave. Uh, so I, I mean, you know, okay, he's gotten close to her, they're friends, he's at all of her events or whatever. There's a weird scene where they're both walking on the other side of a chain link fence. They're both running their hands over it and they keep like touching fingertips and stuff. I, f- I just got a weird vibe off of that scene. I, I, I think I that's just supposed to show like connection. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I get what it didn't, what, it didn't what come off do, on the professional uh, level yeah. of weird sexual stuff where's where's that coming from we've talked about this before listen let's not go down that tangent but oh my god no like i i i i did not get it in this movie i didn't feel it no i got i got it it got a little weird i didn't like it and then joe pesci starts having i don't know was he having a fucking seizure or something while he's singing johnny be good I mean, okay, it's 1987 when this movie comes out, right? Which is probably why none of us knew it existed, because 1987 was such a busy year for movies. Um, That's two years after Back to the Future, and you're going to have a scene where your character plays Johnny B. Good, and at the end he starts to go wild and crazy, and nobody knows what to make of it. Right. What the fuck are you doing? I don't understand. I, I, I think that's supposed to, it was supposed to show you that he's fucked up too the same way that the main characters fucked up sure but at least pick a different song i don't know but okay after that scene and stuff and he's trying to compose himself he like looks at the little girl and tells the mom like oh you got a beautiful daughter it's this weird like leering like thing and i'm just like what the fuck is happening i didn't get that why is everybody why does everybody a pedo in this movie apparently i didn't get any of that at all from that I did think it was a little weird that he takes her to the wedding. Yeah. I thought like, like maybe just a, like, you know, he's, he, so the, the main character is going to this wedding and he, he brings her like a simple line of dialogue. Like uh, the parents were supposed to take her somewhere and, and they canceled. So he says, well, why don't you just come with me? Or he was supposed to have the time off, but they get called away to a business meeting. So like, you can't have the time off. And he's like, well, I have to go to this wedding. And they say, well, just take her. She'll be fine. Like something like that. And it wouldn't have been so weird that he took her to the wedding. Yeah. I see, I suppose I thought that was just supposed to be representative of the fact that he's become her surrogate father. So he's yeah, doing all the things that a father would do with their child. I, I agree with you, but it still seems a little weird for a grown man to bring a girl yeah. that's not his daughter to the wedding. 
Agreed. In, without, without, again, without a simple line of dialogue that explains it away. Yeah, it's just him on the phone going, yeah, I guess I could bring someone to the wedding. And then he looks at the little girl and she's like, oh, me, choose me. And I'm just yeah. like, what? But I, I didn't have any, like, I didn't get anything inappropriate about it. I just thought it was a little I'm awkward. not even saying that there's supposed to be undertones of that. I'm just saying some of the performances, I'm just like, did anybody not pay attention so that maybe this would come off a little weird? Well, I think that you have to also remember this is a movie set in Europe in the 80s. And maybe the sensibilities are a bit different. Yeah, because don't they because have sex with little girls at like 12 years old over there or something? Not to my knowledge. I'm not, I'm not accusing the entire <laughs> continent of Europe of that right now. That's not what I was doing. Um, but no, I, I just I think like there's... It, maybe that's the issue is just they weren't maybe you're picking up on that because you're bringing your own biases to it or something because again i i didn't have the issue at all i was i was literally planning to compliment the movie for avoiding that Mm. and you you apparently didn't see that see it that way so yeah do not agree i did have i did have ways to fix it though like they even could have like I feel like they could have had like a a beat, and I don't know. Is this based on a book or anything? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe they couldn't then, but I don't know. I was just like, because he doesn't really have like a boss. I don't feel like like there's no, no like I, I, head of security or something. Like I don't know. No, no. He's like it, it's almost like in a in a security agency that he works for. Yeah. It's hired by. So there's nobody like on on the grounds because I thought if they did this thing where he was like hanging out with her a lot and, you know, they start getting really like close, like father daughter sort of close. And then maybe even like the dad's like, I don't feel comfortable him like hanging out with my daughter so much or something. I mean, maybe it didn't have to be like that, like uh, obvious about it or something, but. And then his boss is just like, look, man, they're taking you off the off her detail. And he's just like, oh, no, I feel like she's like my daughter. He's like, well, she's not your daughter. Like, it's your job to protect her. And that's it. You don't need to, like, be friends with these kids or whatever. So say he gets taken off or he gets fired or something. I don't know. And then, of course, she gets kidnapped. And, of course, the only person that can save her is the guy they just fired or whatever. And he has to come back and save her. I guess. Uh, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying I just thought about it and I'm like, maybe that would have made it a little less creepy. I don't know. But apparently it's just my problem. So who gives a fuck? Or if we're rewriting the movie, just have her be an 18 year old college girl and then you can bang her problem. So there you go. Start. We're starting from scratch with the script. Anyway, you can do anything you want, really. Sure. But again, I personally, I wouldn't, with the exception of a line of dialogue that better explains why she's allowed to go to that wedding. But even at the wedding, like she ends up flirting with another boy that's meant to be age appropriate for her. Right. Like yeah, it's not, yeah. and he, it's not like he gets jealous and like fights the kid. He like thinks it's cute when he sees her dancing with him. And hey, stuff. you get your damn hands off her. <laughs> if that line of dialogue got spoken right after Joe Pesci finishes his Johnny B. Good stick, I'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> Mm. yeah but i thought the other stuff was good like uh yeah scott glenn just going like badass like 
the scene where he's in the hospital and like we talked about and he pulls Joe Pesci and he's like, get me out of here. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's going to go fucking crazy on everybody. Can't wait. Yeah. So then when he does start going, like sort of trying to figure out who's got the girl, or whatever we mentioned, he goes to that, that gay porn theater and oh. messes that dude up. Yeah. All that stuff was, was fantastic. I like they did a really good job with the moment where he's like about to walk away and he's like, nah, I'm going to kill him. Turn around. And shoot the guy. I'm like, I, there's something about that moment that I'm like, it really felt like a turning point in the film. We're like, okay, he's crossing the line now. This, this isn't just about saving that girl. It's about fucking up the people who touched, who, who messed with his friend kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting. Uh, and then, jumping ahead, I guess. I thought he was going to off uh, Danny Aiello. Like when they're in the car and they pull up to yeah. the location and Daniel's like, come on, man, take me, take me to the hospital. I thought he was just gonna be like, fuck you. And just like shoot him in the yeah. head and go so inside. Right. But he he just leaves him in the car. That whole moment, like Danny Aiello in this movie, he's playing like that stoic, like tough guy. Like he's in charge of making the calls to like the parents and being like, yeah, I know we've got your daughter. We expect our ransom and all this. And then when Scott Glenn's character gets his hands on him, he's just like crying, <laughs> like <laughs> begging for his life. It's such a turn and it's so fun to yeah. watch. Even and then like, tries to, he tries to be badass and he's like shooting at him. And as soon as like, Scott Glenn just turns around. He's like, oh, oh, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just like, Jesus, dude. Well, and, uh, yeah, and I think it's like it's letting us know it's okay to enjoy watching this guy suffer, right? As an audience, you're like, it's okay. He's a piece of shit. He kidnapped a little girl, and now he's being a whiny little bitch about it. Yeah. So you're allowed to enjoy it when he, like, because then it's like, isn't it his, his own guys that end up shooting him? <laughs> it's like just, I, I did like the ruthlessness of the here, the terrorists or the kidnappers, whatever they're referred to as. Yeah. Um, like that one moment where they're like, was it one of the other people that worked in the house that had like ratted them out? When you see he's like gonna call and he's and then somebody just walks up behind him and puts a bullet in his head. I'm like, good. That's how you handle that. They meet that one dude and they're like telling him over the phone, like, here's what's blah blah blah, whatever. And you can see like in the background that they're in the same like area, just one of yeah. you know, the bad guys are on the payphone. And he walks out and the whole fucking building explodes. I'm just like, holy shit. We had a couple of good guy walks out, building explodes behind him moments in this movie. Yeah, for sure. And uh, this, this, honestly, we nailed it this week. Um, (laughs) Two good movies. It's very unusual for us, but like, I, I really enjoyed both of these. I was, I was honestly hoping for a little bit of a, a darker turn and a little bit more gritty violence in this, but I'm not unhappy with what we got at all. Like I was was anticipating maybe a little bit more torture scenes and things like that, but that's fine. Like that's just because it's not, that doesn't mean it's not good. And I, I wouldn't make me sad that I don't have a thousand more movies about Scott Glenn murdering people. (laughs) There's gotta be a few more. We'll go looking. Um, if, if the listeners know of any, they can recommend it. But as long as it's not Tracy, we'll watch them. So yeah, completely. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, what else did you guys like about this movie? It was cool that it was set in Italy too. That it looked neat. It was just a neat background for everything. Yeah. Like, there's that one scene where the kidnappers have their boat and they're in that like 
channel thing that kind of comes in underground and stuff. Like it's just it's just interesting to look at compared to like just being set in New York again or some someplace else like that. Did uh did the version you guys has watched have subtitles for the Italian stuff? No, that's no. what I was going to ask. I, I was going to say because mine did not. Which it was fine, because, I mean, you could get the gist of what was going on. But I was like, yeah. huh, there's a lot of people speaking Italian in this movie, and I don't speak Italian. I don't. I think that was on purpose. I think you're not supposed to know what yeah. they're saying. Because we're kind of disorienting a little bit. It did throw me, throw me off, because, like, I come from an Italian family, so I sometimes understand a little bit. So I found myself really listening, trying to understand, and I do not speak Italian well enough at all to understand. <laughs> like, like, I understood, like, when they would answer the phone and stuff, but I wouldn't understand what they were actually talking about. So I'm like, it's throwing me off. That's a me problem, though. I, 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 <laughs> You're like, ciao. Okay, I got ciao. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny when Joe Pesci speaks Italian in this because he's been playing an Italian guy for so long that I assumed he spoke good Italian, but he doesn't. It's like his accent is terrible. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was good overall. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do find at the end that he gets shot. That we're supposed to seems like he's about to get shot and then the screen cuts to black and then yeah. cuts to the cuts of the police finding the girl, which did I miss something? Was I busy looking something up? Cause okay. They find the girl, they zip Scott Glenn up in a body bag and, uh, uh, he's like narrating. And then we find out, Oh no, turns out he's being, he's given a new identity yet again. Then he goes and visits the girl in the hospital. Was she like catatonic or something? I think she was traumatized from everything that had gone on. That's the idea. Okay. So there was no like big explanation like, oh, she's she's not talking to anybody or isn't talking or whatever. Uh, I just thought maybe I missed some weird explanation that like she went into some trance and never came out or something. Uh, I don't think there was. I think it's just the 80s. We just assume right. that's what happens to people. Sure. Because, I mean, she's sitting outside at the end, and then he shows up. She doesn't seem to react at all. And he just kind of sits down in the chair next to her, and that's that's the extent of it. I'm like, oh, so I missed something. Sounds like I didn't. It's kind of a dark ending, though. Like, the fact that, she, like, there isn't, like, the big moment. Like, you would have... You would expect, especially in an 80s movie, that when he walks up, like she'd see him and big smile and run and hug and stuff. But yeah, you don't get that. No. So it's like he only kind of saved her. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, Alright, what does everybody watch this week? I watched one thing. Okay. And that was the, the other version of Major in Canada. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, we already, we already talked, about talked about that. Uh, I keep trying to get out to the movie theater and I've just been so freaking busy 
And I'm starting to get irritated because there's more than one thing in the theater that I want to see right now. Yeah, gotta go see that Shazam. Right. Did you go see it yet, Brian? Yeah, I saw it. It's okay. It's not as good as the first one. That's kind of what I expected, though. Okay is all I'm looking for. (laughs) It's it's DC. We can't work miracles. Yeah, there's just a... I don't know. There's a weird uh, subplot in it that I don't feel needs to be there. And it's strange. I don't know. If you see it, we'll talk about it. Is it a huge problem that um, everybody's just too old for it now? It's like, aren't they like people in their 20s turning into superheroes now instead of kids? (laughs) Which kind of takes the fun out of it. Uh, One of them. One of them's in uh, sort of a college situation. Yeah, it seems very strange. Yeah. I've listened to yeah. a couple of reviews of it, and it's I'm way less interested now than I was before I listened to those reviews. So. Well, they probably, I mean, really, they probably fucked up with the first movie, even though I like it a lot, by doing the Marvel family in the first movie. Yeah, I remember thinking, wow, they totally went there in the first movie? Seems like a second movie kind of move. God damn it. What the fuck is going on? My cat has this fish <laughs> that if you hit it, it flops around on the floor. Oh. And just occasionally the cats will randomly run over there and slap this fucking annoying ass fish. It's like is somebody fucking on the mic. Seriously? It, re- it really sounded like somebody <laughs> just had a squeaky bed. <laughs> but all of us were had recently talked, so in my head I'm thinking, which one of us has someone in the background <laughs> fucking? Like, how does that make sense? <laughs> but yeah, that and then uh, I, the D&D movie comes out this weekend, right? Or last yes. weekend? I can't remember. I think it's this weekend. I don't know. I know John Wick 4 is out, and I really want to go see that, and I haven't, didn't have a chance to go I- I still have not seen John Wick 3. I probably should do that. Should. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. That's why I didn't see John Wick 4. I just, I know, I know how much people love that series, but the first one was so fucking good. And the second one is so mediocre. And I'm just worried that that trend continued. Yeah, I didn't have that problem. I don't, I don't know if I'd call the second one mediocre, but it was definitely in my mind, it was a downgrade from the first. And then the third, I just never got around to for no particular reason. Yeah, but I just really like the world that it's set in, like stuff with the hotel, like what all that means. And I agree. The the ballerinas in three, they in two. I can't remember. I don't it's been a long time. I should probably rewatch one, two, and then watch three, and then go see four. To be honest. Yeah, because yeah, then they're doing it's a off work ballerina spinoff, which is going to be kind of fun. I should, I should rewatch Run, but that puppy killing, man, it's too much. Just fast forward past it and start there. It's not like you're going to forget it happened. It's the only plot point in the movie. It's burned. Yeah. It's burned into my skull. I'm saying he already knows that plot point. He could just skip past it and not have to sit I through the, the live action rewatch of that part. <laughs> it's just. Why do I have this masturbating cat toy going on? <laughs> Can't hear it now. <laughs> it's somewhere else. But man, last time I was like, man, 
Somebody live in an apartment with really thin walls? What did you watch, Doug? Oh, well, we're still talking about movies? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I did go to the movies. Okay. And I saw 65. Oh, yeah? Which is Adam Kylo Driver. Ren versus Dinosaurs. Oh, okay. Kylo Ren versus Dinosaurs. Nice. Yeah, so it's it's just, and that's all it is. Um, movie opens with, well, there's like blah, blah, blah. He has a family at home and stuff, and here's why he's getting on the spaceship, yada, yada, yada. Spaceship crashes. He's the sole survivor, but then he finds another little girl that survived, but she doesn't speak English, and they have to make it across a certain area that's full of dinosaurs to get to, like, the escape pod. And they have to do it before the meteor hits Earth. That's going to destroy all the dinosaurs. So, that's, I mean, it's a ridiculous premise. Um, but, sure. But, I mean, isn't that kind of why you wanted to go see it, though? Yeah. Um, it's weirdly serious for the <laughs> how ridiculous the premise is. It's pretty, it's all right. It's fine. It's like at no point do you get bored watching it, but I don't know if the tension and stuff works as well as they want it to. So it's kind of just this middle ground movie. That's fine. There's just something about the aesthetic of that movie that I find just outrageously unappealing. The aesthetic of the film? You haven't seen it, though. I've seen the trailers for it. That's enough? All right. I mean, here's the thing. If somebody said, hey, I just made a movie, and it's about people time traveling, and then they got to fight dinosaurs, I'd be like, sweet. And instead, I saw that trailer, and I was like, oh, good. It looks like a bland-ass CGI action movie. Great. Yeah, I mean, it is. Well, what yeah. did you think? Like, it's not. I mean, I didn't go see Avatar two for the exact same fucking reason. I'm like, oh, CGI, yank, yank. Yeah, yeah. but the the difference is that this is, you know, ninety minutes of Adam Driver blasting laser guns at dinosaurs. It's not two and a half hours of blue guys swimming. So Avatar two is ninety minutes long. There's a good chance I might have seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Spoiler alert, he's not a time traveler. He's from another planet. And that other planet mastered space travel 65 million years ago, so. Okay. It doesn't, so, it doesn't so it's, matter. So it's, the, so it's the story of, like, uh, panspermia, that kind of thing. I don't know what that means. It's the theory that DNA was transplanted here from another planet that created certain types of life. No, it's not that. You're putting too much thought into this. It's a movie about a guy that crash lands on a planet and he has to make it to the escape pod that's 15 kilometers away. And he has to make it through past the dinosaurs and he has to. So the fact that they're they're human is just completely a coincidence? Yeah. Okay, so they're from an, okay, so they're from another planet that's far, far away, like so far away that they're like have to use like cryo sleep and stuff to travel to Earth when they accidentally crash here and they're in uncharted space and that's why there's like this meteor they don't know about that hits their ship and stuff, right? So, but also the plot is that he's taking the he's taking this job on this ship because his daughter needs medical attention and they don't have the money if he doesn't take this big job, so. 
<laughs> so the planet so he's a space trucker? Yeah. What in, what in the fuck is going on with the script for this movie? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Like, it's all like, it's all a MacGuffin just to get them crash landing on a planet with dinosaurs. But well, it's interesting that they're like, it, it sounds like the last of the old guard of Hollywood is still in an office doing a bunch of cocaine going, is it our dinosaurs? And he's his sick daughter. He's got to be a space trucker to pay for space surgery. And, and there's dinosaurs. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this written by the same guys that did uh quiet place? Yeah. I think they directed it too. Yeah, they might be part of the problem with the, like the tension in the film not working as well. I, mean, I think they're like first time directors. No, they've directed three things. Okay. I'm glad you had that like knowledge at the tip of your finger when I'm like, I don't. Oh no, I'm wrong. No, yeah, they've directed other stuff, but but nothing uh, big, right? I don't know. The new IMDb is so stupid. I fucking hate its layout. Doesn't matter. The movie's mediocre and we're spending too much time on it. Uh, they directed a movie called Haunt. Which uh, I remember enjoying. It's on Shudder. It's probably the biggest one. What else did you watch, Doug? Um, well, speaking of movies that aren't good, I finally got curious enough to watch I Spit on Your Grave, Deja Vu. Okay. When uh, So this is the actual sequel to the original I Spit on Your Grave, which brings back the original director and the original actress. And I like I didn't have any reason to believe this was going to be good. And it's not. So technically, I was right. <laughs> I guess I win. But it's, I don't know. So the movie opens up with like, the basic plot of the movie is that she has been like, I don't know, like she basically, the family of the guys that she killed in the first movie come back and kidnap her and her daughter. And her daughter, she ends up being killed and her daughter has to like take vengeance on them. Right. But the movie opens up with this like, whatever the proverb or whatever that's like you know if you're gonna seek revenge first you should dig two graves one for the person you're and one for yourself kind of thing whatever the exact wording is of that we've all heard it before and so i'm like oh that's interesting because they could be actually exploring this idea of like is it good that she did all the things she did because like in the first movie we see them do these horrific things to her and then we see her take the revenge and we're kind of on her side but when you stop and think about it, it's like it is just pure vengeance. It's not like self-defense in any way in any of those cases. And it is, you know, is that type of vigilante stuff okay or is it harmful? And maybe they're going to explore that. And then two minutes into the movie, it's revealed that she was arrested and and uh, let off on all charges. And she has spent from then until now, which is supposed to be in real time, living off of like the fame that she got for taking this revenge. And she's literally been like writing books and like touring and doing speaking engagements and stuff for like 40 years. So I'm like, okay, I guess they're what? not like, 
I guess they're not <laughs> delving into that at all. <laughs> Which what is, of course, again, it's, it's absurd, right? Say? It's absurd, right? And then, like, I don't know, it opens with that. And, like, this is all re- revealed I... through dialogue between her and her daughter. But, like, then we hear about how the daughter is, like, the world's most famous model in all this. Daughter's not even like it's weird because it's like the, she's not a model. I don't know. I don't know the polite way to say it, but no, she's not the world's most famous model. That's not what the world's most famous model looks like. And I'm like, what is going on in this movie? Like right off the bat. <laughs> and then you get the family coming back and like kidnapping him, and, and the plot kicks off. And I'm like, I'm not sure if any of the really like the ages work for these people to be the like relatives of the people from the first film if you're going to bring back the original actress and like naturally she's aged so you're like if she's that much older how can these people be from that like how can they be related to those original people unless they're like like you know they'd almost have to be the grandkids of those people or something like it's not working (laughs) at all and then like to top it off there's not really good performances or anything else There is like a horrific rape scene in it. And I'm like, man, like I can respect the filmmaking in like the original movie because I know what they were trying to do. And I know they were trying to make it horrific. But to see someone do like another horrific rape scene in this movie, which is just a cash grab movie. I'm like, it does not. It's not. You don't get to do that in this type of movie. It's not fair. You don't get to do any of that. I I agree. The idea of them taking that character from that movie and and being like, oh no, she did. She does speaking engagements. It's it's like, what the fuck? Well, she was a writer in the original movie and she's still, which is true. But she, I mean, it is that movie is a film about guttural violence. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. There's something so profoundly disrespectful. It is. About about cheapening down what happens in that film to that is gross. I I absolutely agree with you. It's not I I knew it wasn't going to be good. I just I stumbled across it on one of like these many free streaming services that I have. And I'm like, I, I guess like. I don't know. Like, I'm like, I, I, curiosity got the better of me. To top it off, they actually, though, they have flashbacks to the original movie in it to remind you of oh, the original movie and, and, and how well made it is. I don't want to say how good it is because that's not the right word to describe that movie, but it's sort of have that, them flashing that into this piece of shit is just, it's, yeah. Like, it, it makes me feel bad because I've defended the first movie so many times. And now that see this being made by the same guy, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't know. Maybe that, maybe everything like that I thought was, you know, done well in that first movie is actually just a coincidence. And I'm giving this guy too much credit if he thinks this is what storytelling is. <laughs> but Well, and I, I would make the argument that the first film is indefensible. But that doesn't make it a bad movie. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not I, sure. <laughs> I, I, what you're saying is not inaccurate. Like, it's. I think it accomplishes what 
it sets out to accomplish. And in, in, in that sense, it's a success. Now, whether you want the film to try and accomplish that or not, it's altogether different. <laughs> right, right. It's a whole nother question. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a whole nother question. And it's an interesting movie because if you watch it a couple different times throughout the course of your life, you might have completely different feelings about the film. And you I might agree. have weird feelings about yourself having watched the film and felt a different way in the past. Well, I mean, if you are choosing to sit down and watch that film for a second or a third time, you should probably already have weird feelings about yourself. <laughs> that is a good point. And I have seen it many times and I did have those weird feelings about myself. So <laughs> what do you do? I don't know. We'll team it up with the cannibal, cannibal Holocaust and do like a two uh, for one. What am, I'm going to be sick that week because you guys, <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. If you watch both those movies, of course you will. <laughs> that poor turtle. Yeah, I know. <sighs> anyways, yes. So I have anyways, no problem I, with butchering an animal, but butchering an animal to make a movie is gross. I agree. I'm butchering an animal. while it's alive. It's not cool. Yeah. Kill the fucking thing. Then butcher it. I don't know. Let's make a whole month of it, so we'll watch. No! <laughs> I spit on your grave. Cannibal Holocaust. Last House on the Left. Straw Dogs. <laughs> Just... Back in the Horror Etc. days, we did an episode of that. like Because we would cover like five, six movies in, in, in per episode. And we did that as one of our weekly episodes. Oh, so literally everything I watched that week, it was like every night, sit down and watch one of these types of movies. That is the equivalent uh, of getting your soul waxed. Like, <laughs> I would no longer be friends with Tony and Ted if they made me no. do that. It was a tough one. Anyways, I took the hit on I Spit on Your Grave Deja Vu, which apparently is also known as Day of the Woman Deja Vu because they got to appeal to all the different markets. But, yeah. um, oh my God, they called it Day of the Woman. Nobody, nobody else... Nobody else Why? needs to watch that one. Well, because for people who bought their DVD with Day of the Woman on the box art, then they want to be able to market to them as well. I'm going to have stress dreams about this tonight. <laughs> stress dreams that I'm a Hollywood executive and they're coming in and pitching this movie. And I'm like, I don't think you guys should do this. <laughs> Please stop. Did you watch anything else? Something more happy, Doug? More happy? No. Oh. Oh. But I watched something else. Okay. <laughs> I watched the movie uh, Till Death, starring Megan Fox. Do you remember when this one came out a couple years ago? Uh, Yeah, I remember seeing the cover and stuff, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. Well, good news. The cover is from, like, the climax of the film. So. Oh, good. That was nice of them to screw that up. But, yeah. So the basic premise is this chick is cheating on her husband. And it's their anniversary. He like surprises her and takes her to this lake house where they have some kind of history. And she's feeling all guilty and stuff. And then in the morning, he, she wakes up and he has handcuffed himself to her. And then he shoots himself in the head, and leaves her there chained to his body, which is a pretty fun opening premise. And the first part of the movie is just her like this her closet in the closet is hanging her wedding dress. So she takes it down and puts the body on it so she can drag it around the house. 
<laughs> and she's just like the first the first act of the movie is like her like trying to figure out how to get down a flight of stairs and she falls and the body falls on top of her and she like goes to use the phone but it's been disconnected and she finds her cell phone like in water drags the body all the way out to the garage only to find out that the guy managed to disable the car before he did this like he had a good plan and she's just pulling the body around the house this whole time which I, that part of the movie i have to admit i was i was enjoying just the like i don't know the gallows humor of it i guess of just like i'm just like what the fuck are we watching is this just the girl from transformers just dragging a dead body around um and then it it ends up like the guy that she was cheating with shows up and then there's like these other guys that show up that are there to kill them which turns it's a bit of a weird plot twist and there's a there's a whole backstory of her connection to these other guys that we don't need to get into but it was just all a little more complicated than it needed to be um my favorite thing about the movie is that like at one point she manages to get herself uncuffed from the body so now she's like free then they like cuff her back to the body she gets uncuffed again she manages to cuff one of them to the body I'm like this is happening a lot in this movie <laughs> like a lot of people are getting handcuffed to the same dead body which is fun it ends up playing into the climax of the movie in a fun way um i guess i could spoil it like so they're out like on the lake and the ice is breaking so she like handcuffs the guy to the body and like pushes the body in the water and it pulls the guy under which is a super fun way to kill your villain in a movie of course um but I mean, overall, it's it was just it's all right. It's not great, but there was a, there was a lot to enjoy in that opening part, and that final scene is fun. In the middle, there's a lot of like I don't think the tension really works when they're they're doing like cat and mouse around the house, where like the bad guys are chasing her, and then the bad guys are arguing with each other over why they're there and stuff because the one guy's been somewhat tricked into being there, and you're just like, okay, do we need all that? I don't know, <laughs> but like i don't know i guess it won me over enough with that like first first bit of her just dragging the body around the house and the fall down the stairs i'm picturing in my head right now and i enjoyed that for sure um there's like a major flaw in the film that i thought was just dumb which is like so you get this idea of like she's cheating on him and that's why this all happens but then they like start to like reveal through dialogue that he was kind of a jerk too and stuff. And I'm like, that to me is a mistake in the film. You want like, you want him to be the good guy who who was the victim. She she should be the one learning the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just to me, it like it, it weirdly took me out a bit where I'm like, cause it's implied that like he had cheated on her and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if we need that. Like, I don't see how that helps. Or you switch it enough that like she was going to leave him or something. And he did this where she's not yeah, like, like, bad at all. Like, yeah. 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 Cause you could do that. Like if, I mean, we do fully, we know for a fact that she's cheating from the beginning of the movie, but you could do it a different way where he thinks she is. And it turns out she isn't or whatever, or she, you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But, there's ways to even it out and they tried to make both of them bad and that didn't seem to work. It didn't really work for me. So at least Uh, it didn't work for me from what I'm hearing about. 
But on the other hand, like she's all covered in blood, dragging him around on that wedding dress. And I'm, uh, I don't know. Something's wrong with me that made me enjoy seeing this. <laughs> Overall, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd call it. I mean, weirdly, it might be the best of the three movies I just described, but it's still not great. Um, nothing about it really pissed me off, though. So I guess I'm just it's just a relief after watching that other one. So still ends up scoring big because it didn't yeah. piss you off. Like, I'm trying to think of what I really liked about it. I'm like, no, I think I just. Just liked that it was a real movie compared to that last one, so. But that is actually it for me. That's all I watched. Right. So we want to talk uh, about the season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really watch anything. Uh, I have been watching uh, the new season of Party Down, though. What's that? Uh, Party Down was a series on stars down here in the States with like everybody was somebody that you would recognize like Adam Scott and Jane Lynch and Ken Marino. They all work at a catering company. Um, and it was like lasted two seasons got canceled by stars, but it's one of those that like, of course, everybody who watched it loved it, but for some reason it didn't translate to being picked up. So it got canceled and kind of canceled on a little bit of a cliffhanger. And now it's like 10 years later and they decided, Hey, let's do an episode or season three. So then they sort of brought everybody back and are doing another season. So there, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, party down's great. If you ever get a chance to watch party down, you should watch it. It's hilarious. I feel like it's one of those like arrest development type sort of in that lane. Okay. That's um, a compliment. Uh, but you know, Adam Scott's playing the Jason Bateman role essentially. But like I said, they all work for a catering company and then each episode only takes place at the catering event. Like you never really spend time with these people outside of their job. And so it's them working through, you know, shenanigans all working and it's usually hilarious. So uh, season three has been good. I'm hoping it gets picked up for another one. Um, and then I've been watching the Mandalorian, which is kind of up and down this season. Oh, I've been really happy with the Mandalorian this year. Uh, I didn't mind. They did that thing again where they just veer off for an entire episode. I'm like, Oh, we're not, not doing Mando and Grogu this episode. I really right. like that stuff, though, of the light. See, and I've heard a lot of people say that. I was just like, okay, it's the doctor from the first season. Cool. Yeah. Um, but the idea of them being reintegrated into the New Republic and all that stuff was all fun for me. I guess. I wanted more Mando adventures, I guess. And we're getting lots of them. And we're going to get the fucking Mythosaur. So. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to that Mythosaur. I hope they don't screw it up. Book of Boba Fett kind of dropped the ball a little bit with the, uh, the Rancor and the riding it. So mm. I'm hoping they don't drop the ball here. Yeah. So it's been all right. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. So. so 
see lots of people complaining online. I don't know. I never. I don't. That, I don't so. know. Well, I don't either, really. But since I, you know, have to write for a movie website, I just sort of pay attention to shit. And it's like really, everybody's complaining about this season. All right. People love to complain about everything, though, man. It's true. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Hey, Noah, did you pick movies for next week? I did. Although, whenever you asked me the question, my mind immediately went blank on what I picked. <laughs> That's <laughs> fun. It happens every time. Next week, John Ritter. Hero wow. at Large, Dead Husbands. I thought that might be it. It I'm just sounds big, so fun. I am a big Hero at Large fan on DVD. I don't believe I've ever seen it. Oh, should fit right in with the superhero craze we're going through. Right. As, as we enter into perhaps the death throes of the current run of superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting awfully close to just having to uh, acknowledge that it's over, aren't we? Well, it's just every once in a while, like with Marvel, I was like, you know what? Marvel was really struggling, but damn it, Kang's really good, so maybe that'll save it. And then that motherfucker had to go and assault some woman, and I'm like, god damn it, you <laughs> piece of shit. Not only, not only did you assault this woman, you've destroyed Marvel movies. Listen, he says he didn't do it, so. Yeah, from what I've read, not a lot of people are taking stock in that. I don't know. It's... It'll be what it'll be. Um, I mean, maybe there's the chance that the James Gunn DC stuff's going to end up being awesome. Yeah. But uh, they made a really bad decision in having him come in, start announcing movies, and then have to release the slate of uh, Afterbirth from (laughs) fucking (laughs) Snyder's crap. It's... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not hopeful for DC. But Marvel, I think, still has some potential if they can get things right. And if they can stop treating everything like it all has to be one big joke. I don't know. We'll see. Young Bright, Young Bright Superman and Brave and the Bold both sound real good. So they won't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I, I mean, I actually in, uh, the authority, the authority is a real good call because it's something that people don't have a lot of preconceived stuff going into. Yeah, I'm curious if there's a specific story they'd use, though. I'm I'm assuming they're setting them up to be the bad guys. I don't know. You know what I mean? Have them come yeah. in in the first movies, kind of them rising to hero them and then becoming fucking fascist. Cause that's basically. Yeah. But they were still good guys in that They were still the people we were following throughout the series. I, but but I then they, quote fingers, good guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but cause I like the early authority when it was all wild storm stuff. They have since like integrated the authority into the DC universe. Not excited about prospects of stuff like that. 
unless we get uh, Batfleck versus Midnighter, like fist fight, then I'm down. That's true. I would really love to see a run of Batman where we start off with Batman as the hero and you see kind of his descent into bullshit. Because that's kind of what always happens in the comic books. Yeah, they're not going to do that in movies. I don't know. See, but how, how great would it be? I, I don't know. Batman as the bad guy is such a great idea. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, Could I'd they be set it up? To see like a Robin movie that just has Batman as a background character. That's what I'd be interested in. Um, I was going to say something. I don't remember. Oh, they could do like a tower. What was it? The tower of Babel storyline. If that was the name of it, I don't remember. It's whichever one where uh, Batman had files on how to kill all the members of the Justice League just in case they went rogue. Right. And, and then the bad guys got a hold of that info and started taking everybody down. There's a, there's a great meme that says something like if, if Batman spent half the time he spent coming up with plans to defeat his enemies and he dedicated that to keeping the Joker from getting out of the park, <laughs> the dude would stop getting out. Yeah, I'm not really holding out a lot of hope for DC. No, they, still again, they still swamp thing. Swamp thing. They'd be they'd be better off to stop trying to create a universe and just do individual projects. Yeah, he, we, we'll we'll see. I don't need. To, I I still like. I'm lost with the fact that they're making a sequel to Joker. Mm. And a sequel to the Batman that are still all three are separate from each other. You see, but the sequel, the sequel to the Batman makes sense because they set up sequels. Sure. But the Joker was such a non-traditional narrative. How do the fuck, how the fuck do you make a sequel to it that isn't going to be fucking dumb? I don't know. I still haven't seen Joker. I have heard the rumor that it's a musical, and if that's true, then I'm basically out. So, there's been so many fucking weird rumors about it. I I don't know. I feel, although maybe I'll be proven wrong. I mean, they made sequels to Phantasm. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you if if you had asked me back then, what do you think about this sequel to Phantasm? I'd go, that's fucking stupid. That movie doesn't make any goddamn sense. How do you make a sequel to it? Uh, and, it and here we are years later, and I love every goddamn one of them. You can make a sequel to it by waiting until the fourth film to use unused footage from the first film to show some weird flashbacks and have it make zero sense in the continuity of the movies. They're like, what if what if there's a kid with a frisbee covered in razor blades? I'm like, okay. I guess you got me, Phantasm sequels. And you perfected in uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Right. Huh. That got out of control quick. I heard they're making another Hellboy movie. Yeah. That's that's a thing. In the in the in some of the rumors I've heard from it, I'm like, what? 
Because who is it Cur- currently? They have somebody cast that I was so fucking confused about. I don't know. Oh, I remember. I think I saw a rumor and was like, that can't be right. So. But I don't know. Hellboy the Crooked Man, right? Jack Kessie? Sure. Is he the bad guy in Deadpool? I think he was. No, he was Black Tom in Deadpool 2. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who he is. I, don't we'll know. See. I, I think Hellboy, they need to just put that down for a minute. Because the, the fucking the Ron Perlman <laughs> Hellboy movies were so good. Yeah. It's it fucked it up. You can't you can't go back in when they're still beloved. Otherwise yeah, you end I, up doing this Batman shit where they keep cranking out Batman. Yeah. Or worse yet, you end up with like a Nightmare on Elm Street reboot type situation. It's just like yeah, no that's one's ever gonna buy it. I suppose I think it's just a matter of time. You just have to give it enough time where the people don't care anymore. I agree. That's that's a, a lot of the problems with reboots is that they just reboot stuff that it's just too early. If they would just wait, then people wouldn't hate the remake so much. So I have, I have a controversial opinion about Nightmare on Elm Street. Which is? Should they just do a full CGI Freddy? No. What? No. <laughs> well, because I mean, he's he's like a dream, dream demon. So I mean, he's supposed to be all distorted and weird and out of place and whatever else. And then because of that, we could just get Robert England just to do the voice. That's, so then we'd still yeah. have some of the personality. I, you could, I I feel like that would uncanny valley its way right into being lawnmower man Freddy, and I don't like that. You think so? You think the graphics are going to be as bad as the lawnmower man? <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to be bad. I I think that they're going to be uh, within a year of the release of the movie bad. If that makes sense, because it's just going to get outdated immediately. I don't know. I think if you didn't try to portray him in like human form, but you just relied on like kept him in the dream world and had him just always doing weird and wacky shit like he does in some of the sequels, it might work. Yeah, because one of the big things is Robert England's aging out of it. He doesn't feel like he can sit through the makeup process anymore. Yeah. So maybe if he's even on set, but he doesn't have to have the makeup then they could like do something. Yeah, like they could CGI the makeup onto Robert England and still have him doing the performance. Yeah, doing cap and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's w- at least worth a shot. I'm not saying that it uh, may be I perfect, mean, I, but I'd rather see that than them <clears throat> cast again. Yeah. Or and I think the the right answer is probably just wait 20 years. Or we just come up with a new supernatural creature. That has a, a mighty thirst for the blood of teens. Oh, no. Nobody likes new anymore. 
has to be an established IP to get any ground, any traction off the ground. That's why, something. that's why they're doing a Roadhouse remake right now. That's one of the most ridiculous ones. Because you're going to try to translate Roadhouse into modern times. Right? Like, that is such an 80s thing. You don't understand, Doug. He used to be a UFC fighter. Uh, see, here's the thing. It's not Roadhouse. If you get rid of the idea that they went and got the best bouncer in the world to come work at their little bar because that was really important. If you get rid of that concept, then it's not Roadhouse. But if you keep that concept, then it's just too ludicrous for any time frame outside of the <laughs> 1980s. Like, I <laughs> see. I have the fix. I know it could make it work. Yeah, it's Roadhouse, and they go and they get the best bouncer of all time, which is Steve from the Cherry Springer Show. <laughs> I don't think that would help. Oh, you see, you see, I I think it would because I think that is just taking a big old piss on the giant fucking disaster that is Roadhouse because that movie is fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how many people like it. It's a fucking stupid shit movie. It's shame on people for being so devoted to it. I own it on DVD. I actually think shit. it's a great movie. I think it's stupid. Yeah. I can't argue. I'm not going to counter that point at all. <laughs> Do you know why I own it's... it on DVD? Because it was available and you buy literally everything? Uh, No. Because I've still, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, for some reason, whoever puts the DVD of Roadhouse out was like, you know what we need? We need to call up Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier to see if they want to do a commentary to this movie. And put that out with the DVD. So there's literally a DVD version where you can watch it with Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier doing a commentary for no reason. That's other perfect. than other than their Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier, they just like doing shit. I guess. I'm like, just, what? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, being one time, me and my friend Randy were digging through the five dollar bin at Walmart just to see what they had, and I found a copy of Roadhouse, and I jokingly threw it at him. Like, here, you need to buy this. And he looked at, it, he's like, "Holy shit, I am buying this." He's like, "There's a commentary with Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier." I was like, "What the fuck?" So, of course, then I kept digging through the $5 bin, and that was the only goddamn copy. There was a, there was another thing I saw, and I'm trying to remember what movie it was, because it wasn't a horror movie, and it had a commentary track by Eli Roth, and I was like, I don't give a fuck about Eli Roth's opinion on this. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck about Eli Roth's opinion on horror. <laughs> I can yeah. see the Kevin Smith, Scott Mosher thing, though, because they had a great deal of success back in the day with their commentary tracks when they're for the VOSQ movies. Like people love them, including me. So I can absolutely understand why they would just let them do commentary tracks for other things. And I can see why they would just be like, what is it, two hours to sit down and do this? That sounds fun. I wish I wish every single release of a film came with a riff tracks. That would that would make my fucking life. They just hire some comedians to sit down and just make fun of their whole fucking movie. Yeah. 
I still think Marvel should go back and record Deadpool commentaries for every one of their movies. I don't have a problem with that. Maybe. I'm not sure if Ryan Reynolds wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. He just sold his uh, phone company for like billions of dollars. Because he wants to buy a hockey team. I th- you, you know, I think the funny thing is going to be that here here we are poo-poo and in, in, in becoming the types of folks who are heralding the end of this era of comic book movies. But I think there's a slight chance that Deadpool 3 brings it all fucking back again. Think so? I don't disagree. Well, because I think they're going to do the same thing that's happened with several other superhero movies. I think Disney's going to try to distance itself from it just a little bit because they're going rated R and they don't want to be lumped in with all the dick jokes and the butthole jokes and all that. You know what I mean? And I think they're going to step back. And because of that lack of studio interference, they're going to make a great fucking movie. And then the studio will step back in and wreck it for the future. Because, I mean, that's that's what happened with, like, fucking Wonder Woman. Everybody stepped back. They made a great fucking movie. Studio stepped back in. They made a shit sequel. Right. Well, let's make something clear. Wonder Woman is not a great movie. Yeah, I really like the first one. It's one of the better things that DC has done. But... Right. I, Great. I will I will strong. I will say it this way. It is great on the scale of I have watched it multiple times and still enjoy it. It's not it's not great is in its fucking Schindler's list. <laughs> and I don't know that I would watch it a second time. I have watched it once. If I was gonna watch it at Wonder Woman thing, I'd go back and watch the cartoon movie again, I think. Well, the cartoon movie's better. Yeah. That's it. Right. That's inarguable. DC cranks out great cartoons. All right. But then. Anyway, okay. So everybody's in agreement. Yeah, I just. <laughs> just some of us feel stronger about using the word great to discuss films than others. I don't know. See, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like great is an underwhelming word. I say great for a lot of stuff. Yeah. I know. Like somebody yes. brings you Taco Bell, you can go, great. <laughs> Taco Bell. Somebody brings you a nice steak. Somebody brings you a nice steak, you go, ooh wee, steaks. <laughs> <laughs> Then you scream, Roadhouse, kick him in the face. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Thank you.